Welcome to the Data Bytes podcast, brought to you by Women in Data. My name is Sadie St. Lawrence, and it's my pleasure to be your host for these weekly interviews where we share inspiring stories, thought leaderships, and discussions to help you excel in your data career. At Women in Data, our mission is to increase diversity in data careers, and we do this through awareness, education, and empowerment. Today's guest is Kate Brady, Senior Director of NextGen D2C at PepsiCo. Kate straddles the intersection of innovative technology and driving customer value through marketing. With 20 years media and marketing experience and 12 of those years within PepsiCo, she now leads next-gen D2C consumer experience and direct digital marketing capabilities at PepsiCo. In today's episode, Kate shares her journey and talks about how Web3 will unlock value for consumers and brands and provides examples of this through her team's work at PepsiCo. Kate has been a leader in digital innovation for many years, and I know you'll be inspired by her work in Welcome to the Data Bytes podcast. How's your day been so far? So far, so good. Super busy, but really excited about this uh, next few minutes with you. Yeah, we're recording on a Friday, so that I feel like is always a perfect day to record because it, everybody's usually in a little bit better mood and ready to wrap the week and hopefully having good weather and going to have a fun weekend ahead of you as well. Absolutely. It is my daughter's 13th birthday today, so I'm getting ready to celebrate her all weekend. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, congratulations. Um, so happy for you. Hope you guys have a wonderful birthday party. And I just celebrated my niece's 13th birthday party this last week. And I told her, I said, enjoy your teens because it seems like they last a long time, but they go by fast. So... <laughs> And it's so true, so true. <laughs> I now have a house full of teenagers. My other one is 15, and so I am I'm fully in that next stage of life. I'm sure there's a lot of highs and lows, and you know, it's every new stage comes with lots of changes, right? Yes, 100%. So talking about some changes, I would love to hear some of the changes you've gone through in your journey and your career. So what's your story, whether from a, from a, from your 13 to where you are today or from a professional <laughs> perspective, what's your story? Well, uh, maybe I won't go as far back as 13, but um, I have now been in the advertising and marketing field for over 20 years, which is just mind boggling to me. Um, but I spent my first eight, my first decade or so on the agency side of things. And if you're familiar with the media agency world, I spent those first 10 plus years or so on um, Group M agencies, so Bates into Media.com into Media Edge. Um, and from there, you know, while I was there actually is where I really found my passion for consumer engagement and, you know, really connecting with our consumers and, and had, you know, the privilege of what I really still like to think of one of the, the, the first um, ever campaigns that really drove consumer engagement with our, um, well, I worked on AT&T Wireless at the time with um, when we started the whole text to vote um, mechanism. It was something that at that time we were actually teaching people how to text, um, which is just such a foreign concept right now, but it was something that we had to, to really show people. And I think it really sparked a, a change in the way people do marketing. Um, but from there, um, I spent, I've spent the last 12 and a half years at PepsiCo. So in 
2010 is when I joined Pepsi Beverages. Um, and I have spent that those first nine years in the beverage space um, working across our media strategy and investment team. And, and through that time, I've worked across every beverage and every brand um, that we have in our beverage portfolio. And through that, I've been fortunate enough to work across every tentpole event from the Super Bowl to the Oscars to the Golden Globes and VMAs and Comic-Con. And so I've had such amazing, fun, fun experiences through that time. And some of my favorite work on that has really been working on those, you know, custom creative content um, executions and, and again, driving that consumer engagement and, and programs like, um, you know, one of my favorites there that I did was with um, Mountain Dew and The Walking Dead, where we, we actually developed an app that leveraged logo recognition um, to unlock an AR experience um, or augmented reality experience where it would actually, through your phone, bring to life a walker, if you're familiar with The, the Walking Dead, or a zombie, if you're mm -hmm. not, um, that was brought into your phone and you could then interact with the zombie and then share it through social. And it drove our fans to really actively seek out not only our commercials, because that's how they unlocked those new Walker experiences, um, but our products in store on a weekly, weekly um, basis for that value exchange of like, you know, what we were offering them. Um, and so that was a really awesome experience that just continued to fuel my passion there on like finding these new partnerships. And so from there, I spent the next three years um, standing up a new team within the organization that we um, coined our Global Media Innovation and Partnership Development Team. And in this role, um, we were charged with identifying what's new, what's next, and what will be the best way for us to connect with our consumers. And in this role, I worked with um, what we like to say both startups and also with like the grown-ups companies um, to run pilots across um, where we would find you know common business challenges, and we would run pilots. Um, to leverage tech solutions across those common business challenges across the organization and then scale the successes that we saw. And we had a really awesome hit rate through those three years. Um, I would say 30 to 40% of the pilots that we ran, we saw success. And when you're looking at the startup community, I mean, that's a huge, huge win. Um, but this also led me to my most recent role and some of the work um, specifically on the Web3 side of things um, was where I was really closing out my last role and took from my last role into this new one. And so for now officially the past, I think we are now on officially week seven, um, I have been part of another newly formed team within the PepsiCo organization. And it is our next gen D2C team. And I am leading our Web3 center of enablement um, and identifying other white space opportunities that we can create value exchanges to enable two-way conversations in all of our consumer touch points. And we see this as laying a foundation to driving really strong consumer lifetime value, um, which is our ultimate mission. And so it's, it's a brand new team, you know, building it up right now and really excited about it. Um, but something that I am just um, really passionate about, and I think it's going to it's going to be an awesome experience that I'm so thrilled to be a part of. That's incredible. So what like really stands out to me about your story is yes, you started in this marketing role and world and have a focus on consumers, but how much of a innovator and leader you have been in new technology? Like I love that you shared that you had to teach people how to text and that does not seem that long ago that I remember was, was it T9 was like the first way we started texting right and so I think it's always yeah. great to like back 
And like, oh yeah, that was new. I remember like having to learn how to text, right? Like that was a new technology that, you know, wasn't that long ago. And I'm sure today now, if you told your 13 year old daughter that you had to teach people how to text, she would be mind blown, right? Totally. Um, yeah, totally. It's so funny to see what they've been able to grow up with, what the advantages they've had from this tech space. But yes, it's so crazy to, see, to think about that. It wasn't that long ago, but how far we've come. Yeah. And then with the, I love what you shared with the Mountain Dew campaign and the Walking Dead and the AR technology and using QR codes and scanning and now diving into Web3. And so I don't know if you typically get labeled as like a marketing person, but I see you more as like a tech leader innovator in this space and really like driving the application and, um, yeah, I'm just at, like, is there one thing that's really stood out having like led so many new innovative technology applications? Like, has there been a lesson you've learned in like, how do you introduce that to consumers, right? Where they may not have exposure to that and make that a successful launch. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I love that that you've picked up on the fact that I straddle, I think, a couple of different worlds. And I really did find an, an amazing passion and in, in innovation. And it's really about having that constant curiosity and learning. And I think that the valuable lesson I learned um, through this process was it's, you know, you want to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. It means that you're growing and that you're learning. And I think that's such a really strong asset to have or um, tool to have in your arsenal. You know, I find those times when I when I know I'm working on something that's going to drive impact and change, especially in the innovation space that, you know, it's you never want to just be content with the status quo and you want to always stay curious. And especially with the speed of evolution, like we were just saying, you know, in the digital world, it's there's almost endless opportunities to innovate. So, um, you know, I like to, when I'm hiring, you know, I'm hiring now for my team and and I'm talking to people um, about this and I, and I brought this from my last innovation team as well, was just, you know, you have to be, you have to be, comfortable working in ambiguity as well, because, you know, we're, we're forging our path forward. You know, it's kind of like, you know, building the plane as we're flying it because we're trying to figure out what is that next step that's really going to drive the most impact. And a lot of the times it's, you know, it's just being built. And so how do we capitalize on that, those advancements and really drive the best success? I love that, especially what you said in terms of like, it all starts from being curious, right? And so if you want to innovate, like the first kind of value you can use is that curiosity and it all stems from like that inquisitive curiousness. So what yeah. I think a lot of people are curious about today is what is this new world of Web3, right? I, I'm sure pretty much everyone in our community's heard about it. We've had NFTs launch within women in data. There's a lot of definitions out there still in regard to like, what is Web3? As you mentioned, we're kind of, you know, building the plane as we're flying. So how do yes. you currently look at Web3? Like, do you have an official definition of it? Or are there like key components in terms of how you define Web3? Yeah. And, you know, so in, in my new role, I'm doing a lot of education for the organization. So this is something that, that I've had a bit of practice at and, and hopefully it makes sense. But what we, what we like to say that in Web3 in its simplest form is just the next iteration of the internet. 
So when you take a step back and you look at what, you know, when web one, when, when web one launched in the nineties, it was that read only type of approach. It was a global library of sorts um, that evolved to web two debuting in, you know, the early two thousands and evolved from that read only model to really a read and write um, capabilities, which it also, this is where, you know, social media channels came into play where a you as a user could contribute to the content available. And so web three just evolves to a read, write, but ownership model. So where the creator owns and has the ability to really monetize their content. Um, for me, I think the big aha was really understanding that this puts the power back into the creator versus the tech companies. So thinking back to that social media and in instance, um, you know, you don't own your content or profiles on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, um, Meta or Twitter does. And that puts a lot of risk on the content that you've been giving them to manage and store for however long you've been participating on those platforms. And if you're someone um, and, you know, if someone somehow you lose your account rights, you lose all of that content. And I know that would be devastating to me. So all those memories that you have, um, could be just gone because you don't own that content. Um, or when you think about, you know, gaming platforms like Roblox, I mentioned I have a 13 year old, so I have spent lots of money on Roblox, um, on Fortnite, on assets in those. And so those assets that you've earned or bought um, or purchased, they're still not really yours. They're, they're just being, you know, held for you by those platforms. Um, so you can't transfer them out, um, but these are the unique opportunities that Web3 will be offering. And it's that proof of ownership over the digital assets that you create and that you can carry with you through your digital wallet and you know, provides that Web3, or Web3 provides that interoperability standards that I think will be so, mo so much more impactful for, for people in the future. I love your example so much because you nailed it on the head and this was what your example is exactly what happened to me. I had worked really hard to build up an Instagram following and my account got hacked last year, got taken down. They stole all my content pictures, right? Wasn't able to get it back because, you know, the tech company owned it. And that is what was my gateway into like, wow, I felt such a personal attack, right? These were my pictures, my content. It was me, right? And I had this trust in this company that they would take care of the assets that I'm sharing, but that trust didn't feel reciprocated, right? And so that experience last year was really what led me into like, there has to be a new way to doing this and led me into web three, which is why I'm so excited about it because we need to put the assets, but more so the information and what it really is, is it's my data back in the hands of the owner. So I love your definition of it. And I'm very excited about it because I want my content yeah. back. So <laughs> well, I hope that you can somehow get it, but I, I, and that, you know, building on that same point, I think another aspect that I just think is so great about web three is when you think about web two there, you've got your Instagram profile, you've got your Facebook profile, you've got your Twitter profile. So there's like thousands of views out there, but through web three, 
everything's connected to your wallet. So that's that one you that can be carried through. So you can carry your followers from one platform to another because it's all connected through your wallet and that's that interface. And so those are the things that I'm really excited about that I think are going to really be groundbreaking as people like start to evolve and really get more entrenched in the space. Yeah, I've been telling people sometimes it feels like I have multiple lives I have to keep up to date, right? So <laughs> now it's like, you know how before they said like, oh, don't put it on Facebook. If we're not Facebook friends, we're not real friends, right? Now it's like, if you didn't post it on, on LinkedIn, did it really happen? Or did you really get that award or achievement? And so <laughs> you're right. It's like, there's multiple versions of you and it's yeah. taxing and it's a lot of extra strain that we all have to worry about on a daily basis. But totally. being a little bit more proactive and forward thinking, you're already working in this space. And I know PepsiCo is doing some amazing projects in the Web3 space in a really short amount of time. I mean, seven weeks standing up this team is incredible. So can you talk a little bit more about the types of projects you're currently working on and what you're doing in this space? I would love to. And yeah, so seven weeks I've been standing up this team, but I've been working in the space for probably about 10 months now. So not quite a year. Um, and Pepsi actually launched their first effort, the Pepsi brand, um, actually December of last year. So it's been about a year that Pepsi's been starting to dabble in this space. Um, and, you know, there's still so much to learn and so much opportunity, but I think we've done a, a great job of really beginning that journey in a really meaningful way. And so, like I mentioned, you know, just a year ago in um, December of 2021, we launched our first NFT project, um, our Pepsi Mic Drop Genesis collection. Um, and it was a collection of um, 1,893 generative art collectibles that were really celebrating Pepsi's connection to music. From there, we launched additional collectibles um, across a number of our different markets and brands, including LifeWater and Cheetos, um, and additional efforts with the Pepsi brand at events like VCon, um, through our partnership with Vayner3, who've been a really great strategic partner of ours. Um, but more recently, with this, the, the work that I've been really helping drive has been in the past few months, and, and this is where we've been exploring ways to expand our activation so that we can enable utility and new functions like charitable donations and experiences, um, and also looking at potential revenue generated opportunities. And so we've been partnering extensively with Vayner3 or V3, um, as well as a few other partners to build out a number of different proofs of concept to test out some hypothesis that we have on how we can leverage Web3 to identify the best value exchange opportunities to ultimately drive that consumer lifetime value. Because again, you know, laddering up to what I said in my intro, you know, my team is all about drive. Our mission is to drive consumer lifetime value and build these two-way connections, which we think Web3 is a great enabler of. Um, but so in mid-July, we launched two amazing activations for Mountain Dew and Gatorade with very quite different activations or executions. And they actually happened the same week. So it was a bit of, of juggling to try and keep everything straight. But um, starting with Mountain Dew, you know, they've always been synonymous with gaming and have earned the recognition to be seen as a leading player in tech forward marketing. And so we've had a really long standing partnership with Call of Duty um, at, at a gaming 
um, a game that I'm sure everyone is familiar with. And so we held the first ever esports watch party um, that we organized in collaboration with NYXL, um, a great gaming agency of ours, um, Call of Duty, and Decentraland during um, July 14th through the 17th. And so we hosted this event both in Decentraland, but then also in real life at the King's Theater in New York City. And so this was a true test and learn opportunity where we were able to gain some experience within both the Web3 space and the metaverse space. Um, and we developed a space that fans could watch the event live streams. They could play carnival games. They could interact with gaming influencers. They could secure collectibles um, in the form of branded wearables um, that were such a huge hit um, and enter sweepstakes for a chance to win a Clonix NFT through our Decentraland activation. Um, and so we were really thrilled with the results. Obviously, Decentraland is still a growing community. Um, but through that, you know, we had tens of thousands of people that ran through at that point. You know, there was still a, a much bigger audience than what we're seeing actually as of late. Um, and, you know, we saw through this new fans to esports, not new fans to do, um, and also like a huge dwell time. So people were spending like 14 minutes of time in our activation. And those wearables that I mentioned, were so such an awesome um, representation of Mountain Dew as a brand, like these bright neon green, um, you know, uh, shoes, jacket type of gear wear that people you would see work, walking throughout Decentraland above and beyond that space that they these people who were in there now own because it's a Web3 ownership model um, that were just re representing our brand with these really awesome wearables on their avatars. Um, but so, you know, it was a huge hit from that end, but it also unlocked a lot of data collection for us because, you know, as a part of collecting those wearables, we were able to get some first party data. Um, and so it was such a huge opportunity and really validated the point that this was a great enabler to, to helping us um, enrich our data collection journey. Now on the Gatorade side of things, Gatorade and athletic performance are also synonymous. And so the same week, um, we also launched um, an NFT program with Gatorade's player of the year platform. And so in this effort, we worked with the one-off marketplace um, and we sold a collection of 12 unique NFTs that featured the finalists of the 2022 Gatorade's player of the year um, uh, platform or, or contest. And so these are 12 high school athletes that were awarded for their, um, their, you know, performance in, in high school um, sports. And so these collectibles were sold in a pack of three for $5 each. And while we didn't take any revenue um, on either the primary or secondary sales of these NFTs, we did allocate a percentage of the both of those sales, primary and secondary, to go to Good Sports um, Inc. And that's a charitable charity program that we are aligned with. And the great thing about Web3 is that as long as marketplaces enforce it, um, these sales will continue to pay out to the charity in perpetuity, um, which is just such a, an amazing way to drive philanthropic goals. And so, you know, eventually we'd love to see how we can generate revenue through this, um, that we see it as an opportunity to serve as a flywheel to self-fund our efforts moving forward in the space. And we know that brands like NBA, Adidas, Nike, and Budweiser have all started recognizing revenue. Um, so we're eager to identify the best approach to doing that, but we want to make sure we're doing it in the right way. So we are truly leading with like community first, value driving initiatives first. 
Um, but that being said, we do see, and that's why, you know, we, we see a lot of value in offering these free NFTs to help us build these communities of fans um, that we can be build meaningful relationships with. And, and, you know, just this week, we kicked off two additional efforts with our Frito-Lay portfolio in support of the 2022 World Cup where participants will share their fandom and receive a collectible NFT featuring their selfie and the team they're supporting and can share that with their friends um, to participate. And that will eventually be part of a mosaic piece that um, is reflecting all of the fans and images forming a massive soccer ball that'll be housed in the metaverse. So it's this like really great community that is generating of these FIFA World Cup fans. the other one we launched this week, and I don't know why we're all, we tend to do things in, in couples, but um, <laughs> Cheetos, we, um, Cheetos is, you know, pioneering in the Horizon World space where we have um, an engaging gamified activation that is introducing fans to the metaverse and we're calling it Chesterville. Um, so you can check it out now in Horizon Worlds on your Oculus. And it gives these fans the chance to resurrect their favorite Cheetos flavors. So, you know, we do have some of these, you know, limited time offerings, but fans are passionate about it. And so you'll have the opportunity to go into this space, be able to vote on, you know, the flavors that you want. At, by activating in this space, you're also going to be able to connect um, externally um, and connect with us to have additional voting elements and um, be able to get some um, really great, um, just fun times with our brands, which we're, we're super pumped about. And, you know, the, the gaming activity within the Horizon World space, I think, is something that people are going to love. It's all Halloween themed. It really feels right with what the brand is. And it's just a great place to like to just play around. So we're really excited about that. Um, But we have a few more efforts across some of our largest brands and partnerships that we're finalizing um, currently. And so we should have a healthy slate of initiatives to take us all the way into 2023. And we're really, you know, we're really optimistic that this is going to provide some valuable insight for our future efforts. And all of our projects start with the goal of identifying, you know, how are the best ways that we are providing value to these Web3 communities and coming at it from a, you know, community first mission over leading with the brand. And that tends to be the approach, you know, out. So that doesn't tend to be unique. Like I think outside of web three, you don't see the, the community first um, mantra, but I think within here, we recognize how essential that is. And so that's, you know, we're really, really um, forcing ourselves to make sure that whatever we do, it's about the community first and the brand comes after. I think this is incredible. I mean, so many reasons, like, one, it resonates with women in data because I mean, at the heart of what we are is a community and everything that mm-hmm. we've done and are continuing to do has to be driven by that community first approach. And I love the approach that you're taking with a really values community driven approach and then everything else just kind of falls into place later. But I also love the fact of how there's value for everyone in these projects, right? Not only from the consumers who get to own these assets and information that's created, but then there's value for the brand in terms of the data that's being collected and the relationships that are being built. And now you're even adding on additional values where there's a charitable component. And so it's really just incredible to to think about these projects that are implementing value from so many different avenues and areas. And I'm curious if you've seen like the exchange of value become easier in this process and really like how do you see 
value being represented in these projects as we move forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key question. And, you know, it, the Web3's potential revolves around how we can conduct agreements and, and value exchange. And the conception of Web3 was really born with the idea to place the control of data back into the hands of the individuals. And because they own that data, they determine who they want to share it with. And so I think, you know, that's we are exploring a number of different ways, as you just heard of like, you know, what are the best ways? And I think it's going to vary by brand and by community of what they're interested in and what's really going to truly be the impact that they want to um, participate with whatever we're bringing to them. So, you know, it's the key question that I think is going to be an ongoing journey that we're trying to figure out, but we just, we know that that's the thing that we have to place the most importance on. For sure. And given that we are women in data, we always are curious of how, you know, there's a data-driven approach to this. You mentioned with a few of the examples and projects that you guys have implemented, how there's been more data on consumers and how people are interacting. Can you talk a little bit more about the role you see data playing in Web3 technology as we move forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think as blockchain is the foundation to Web3, the technology is the most obvious example of how data is a critical component of Web3. You know, it's peer-to-peer -peer managed and publicly distributed ledger to record and verify transactions. It gives the power back to the communities and that allows participants to verify and audit transactions independently. So it, it is completely a data foundational platform. Um, the network, it's going to ver verify everything before it's accepted. And so any exchanges will then be recorded on the, the blockchain and that establishes that trust, trusted and, and verified record. And so it makes it harder to manipulate and misuse data. So, you know, today, most cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum are, are already using blockchain technology to record those transactions. And because of that, you know, many believe, including us, that it'll provide increased data security and privacy for those users to combat the influence of the larger tech companies, you know, that that I, you know, I prefaced was one of the big, big ahas for me was, you know, let's put the ownership back into the consumers. Yes, back to where it all started, right? Of like moving yeah. to the third iteration of the web of like, okay, how do we get <laughs> to that ownership part? And I mean, I love blockchain technology because I think at like the end of the day, right, all of those little blocks are really just encoding of data. And so I'm so excited to merge kind of the Web3 community with the data community because I'm like, mm -hmm. that's where we can have some real magic happen. Um but really anybody can come into this space. Like it's an exciting time to be in web three technology. So do you have advice for people who are looking to transition into this space? Like what are some of the skills that you think are valuable if you want to get started with some projects or go work for a company like PepsiCo working on some really exciting projects like this? Yeah, well, um, so my role, like I mentioned, was leading global media innovation when I started exploring Web3. And so for me, I was, you know, jumped headfirst right in to try and just absorb everything I could. And so there is a wealth of information online. Um, I think podcasts are an amazing way to start learning. I continue to listen. I have some great ones that I love. Um, and even old-fashioned books um, to start learning about this space. I, I, I do actually like challenge myself. You know, there's a, there's a um, 
book out right now that I've been meaning to pick up about um, from Matthew Ball about the metaverse that I've heard amazing things about, but it's so funny to me that like, how do you have the time to publish something and print something and get that right published print um, with how quickly everything is changing in this space? Um, but I, I, it's not going to stop me from reading it and I'm sure it'll be very insightful. Um, but I think the most beneficial thing in this space or the way to learn is really just talking to people who are already doing things and already learning in this space. Um, so for me, you know, finding those who had made that similar leap um, was a great way to accelerate my transmission to um, and learn from their roadmaps. Um, and to truly understand the space, it is imperative that you immerse yourself in it. So you need to get a wallet, you need to make a purchase, you need to join a Discord or a few Discords. Um, like I mentioned, you know, the podcasts are critical, reading the blogs, um, you know, listening to opposing views too. I also, I, I think it's really important to get, to go into this with a he healthy level of skepticism. You know, it forces you to question more and it gives you a better understanding and ability to defend your position better. You know, the crypto and NFT markets are going through a really rough patch right now. Um, and that's forcing us to think differently about the space than we might have in the bull market timeframe. Um, even the way that, you know, we're forecasting how it, how we're going to think about it from a business perspective. Um, so I think it's, so I think those, those naysayers and that skepticism and the devil's advocate side of things are, are really a, a, a great resource as well. Yeah. Two things there, like, want a plus one two is just like dive in right like get your wallet you know go explore join a discord and then the second is that have that conversation i mean one of the things i found about this web3 community is that like everyone is so welcoming and so excited like through conversation is how we really learn and i love your point about not just conversation of people in the community, but those opposing views too is really helpful because they bring to light maybe some of the gaps that we haven't looked at before. So great advice and hopefully you've inspired some more people to take the leap and um, start to explore Web3 a little bit more as well. Great. So, so as we wrap up today, um, we always love to end our episode with a little bit of fun of rapid fire questions. So if you're ready, I'd love to jump into some rapid fire questions. Sure. All right. What song, podcast, or book can you not put down right now? Well, Taylor Swift's new album dropped this morning. And so I am, I have not read, listened to it yet, but I am super pumped to get to it later this afternoon. Um, and then from a podcast perspective, you know, I love, love listening to them both for work, you know, for work, I listen to a lot of Web3 Academy, Web3 with A16Z. Um, and for pleasure, I love Pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. I find them very entertaining. I did not know Taylor Swift album dropped this morning. So definitely getting off this episode <laughs> and go check that out. So thanks for the heads up. <laughs> Favorite place you've traveled? Uh, I took an amazing girls trip um, with my high school girlfriends last year to Turks and Caicos. We stayed in the most beautiful resort, which I cannot wait to be able to take my, my husband and my girls back to. Awesome. Happiness is? 
watching my daughters play their sports and cheering them on. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I have two girls. Um, the older one is extremely passionate about soccer and started track to enhance her endurance and speed. And my younger one um, is a swimmer and she plays lacrosse. And I do everything I can to be able to be there and support them and cheer them on. And it just it's, it brings me so much joy watching them. I love it. In the next five years, I hope to. Uh, I hope to see some real traction and ad adoption of Web3 technologies. Um, I think, you know, it's only going to occur if we see a much better UX. Um, so I'm hoping to see that happen. I hope that the, the, the purchasing, the, the wallet experience gets better. Um, and so that I think will make everything, um, I think it'll accelerate the whole adoption curve. And last question to me, curiosity is? It is a critical quality for those I work with. Um, and it says to me that you're interested in learning and growing and ultimately finding better solutions to the status quo. And I think that's awesome. Beautiful. Well, Kate, this has been such a fun conversation. I am so excited about all the things you're building and leading. And I also hope the the next five years lead to some meaningful projects and implementations of Web3. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and the work you're doing with us. I know we're all inspired by the conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And a big thank you to our listeners. Remember to stay curious and keep learning and we will catch you next time. If you enjoyed today's conversation on the Data Bytes podcast, we welcome you to continue the conversation and join our global community by becoming a member at womenindata.org. All Data Bytes listeners receive 20% off using the promo code DATABYTES20.